So, future of humans, discover the qualities that contribute to pushing the boundaries of human performance. And I, what I would love you to take away from this is human performance is just an output. So that could be winning Olympic medal. That could be an X Games medal. That could be being the best parent you are, the best employee, or the best leadership of yourself. And so my background is in Olympic sport. So for 16 years I've coached. Very grateful to have worked with some of the best athletes in the world from England, China, America, and Japan. And um, what stood out to me across different sports, for some reason mainly acrobatic sports, so I worked in Premier League football, rugby, British diving, Cirque du Soleil, um, snowboarding. And what stood out to me across different cultures of sports, across different cultures in general, were kind of quite clear things that stood out. So I'm going to cover, cover a few of those today. Um, to give you an example of kind of the environments I worked in, this is Billy Morgan. Uh, this is a few years ago now, but when he, this it was the world's first quad cork. We'll talk about it after. You'll see two more replays, just to give you a bit of context. So quad cork, that's four spins off axis. So a typical 360 be one axis. He's spinning four times across multiple axes. One more, last one. I cannot tell you this video doesn't give perspective to the size of these jumps and the size of what these people do. But even though that is extraordinary, for sure, I mean, that, at that time, that was the first in the world ever. Now that's been done. If you, need to, if you want to win Olympic gold or an X Games medal, you have to be probably doing that in a competition. So that is extraordinary, but really what underpins that are very, very ordinary qualities. And so I'm going to cover a few of those, and then we're going to dive into one of them today, okay, a little bit. Um, so mindset. Mindset is everything. I'm not going to say too much about it, but really, if you're standing on a final, Olympic final, everyone's physicalities are pretty similar, but it's who's got it in their mind, their approach to that. Clear goals, they know what they're doing, why they're doing it, when they're doing it. Immediate feedback, they understand what they're doing and they're learning from that. They're learning the effect they're having in the world. Process driven, so they, they worry about what they can control, not what they can't control. They're not worrying about, they want to win a medal of course, but they can't, focus, they can't control that, they can only control what they have the power to do. Comfort with risk. You don't get to high performance without making mistakes. You have to accept that and appreciate that. Mortal stakes. So I think as you can see, they have an appreciation for life. In particular, the acrobatic athletes, what they do is exceptionally dangerous. And so they embrace that and they work out the quality, they work out the risks and if they accept it then that's fine. Challenge skills balance, so they know where they're pushing too hard and they know where they're cruising too easy. So there's a sweet spot in the middle of that and they're in that more often. It's not a linear line, they're just in that more often. Complete trust, complete trust in the process, complete trust in their team, 
complete trust in themselves. But today we're going to look at high quality management of stress. Because even though they're doing things like that, they still are human beings. They still have fear. They still have nerves. They still have that physiological arousal. Before we go into that, kind of really they're, they're not the complete list, but they're the key ones that stand out for me. And really what they do enable is to access flow state. And we're not talking about flow today, but it's something I wanted to mention because flow technically defined as the optimal state of mind where we feel our best and perform our best. Our inner critic goes quiet and we're just in the present moment. This is kind of the model that I work to. Um, and I work with people on as well. So to give a bit more context, to kind of you've got the essential components of body, mind, nutrition, and sleep. And then you've got the optimal components. And really what we're trying to do is get into flow state. And you can't get into... It's not like, you, oh, I'm going to get into flow now. You have to have the right environments for that. Um, so today we're going to look at mindset. Uh, breath and mind... Breath control, okay? High quality management of stress. So I'm going to give you two more videos, give you two examples. The first one is at the London Olympic Games, 2012. Um, you can just watch the video. This is his fifth dive. He was 16 at the time. British diver at his home games. How would you rate that? What's their body language saying? So I can't tell you how many times they practice that hurdle step. Hundreds and thousands of times. But on that day, nerves, panic, 16 years old, Olympic Games, his home games, one opportunity every four years. And it got to him. Of course, there are a few other things that in place or a few other things that were fed back and, and from him particularly. But nerves, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that? You, billions of people are watching you and you have one opportunity to, to nail it. Okay, four years later. This is the Rio Games in Brazil. Again, seeing it live is unbelievable. So in London, he had the talent, for sure. Four years later, he got gold and a silver. And one of the things that was highlighted was, like I said, the fear. How do you, how do you manage that? And so breath, it sounds so counterintuitive to talk about breath. We breathe all the time. All of us breathe all the time. We can survive weeks, days to weeks without food and water. We, we can barely survive minutes without breath. And we do it all the time, yet most of us are unconsciously doing it. We aren't aware of how to breathe properly and really the profound effects that breath has. And breath to me is like remote control, remote control to our brain. We take control of our, our breath we take control of our internal environment, our internal physiology. 
So whatever happens on the outside, life just happens to us. Life is life. It's there for a wonderful reason and all the difficulties and all the wonderful things that happen. We can't control, but we can control our internal environment, our physiology. And so, not going into too much detail, but our nervous system, so our autonomic nervous system, sympathetic, stress response. Uh, we become focused. Cortisol is released in our body, so we're getting ready for action. Do we need to take action? Do we need to hide? Do we need to fight? On very primal level, you know? Stepping onto stage, I need to be alert, I need to be focused, I need to be ready. And don't need to be panicked by stress. Uh, parasympathetic, so rest, digest. Our body re-diverts its energy into immune function, into digestion, into recovery. And the parasympathetic works as kind of like a break. So the sympathetic, we're focusing, we're paying attention all the time. Parasympathetic should kick in like a break, okay, if it's working well. But what I see... Uh, in the work I do now, is that, you know, 21st century normal, people are stuck. We're stuck in this fibrillation of stress. Our, our nervous system, we're constantly on. We're, we're contactable 24 hours a day by our, our, our pocket, you know. Any moment, we can get rid of a text, a message, or whatever. And our nervous systems haven't caught up. And we just need to learn how to bring ourselves back into our bodies. So heart rate variability is like an objective measure like a window of our nervous system function. A lower HRV is synonymous with stress response. A slightly higher HRV is more recovery. An example of that in sport, so in a, in a training camp, for example, a two-week training camp, um, you'd want, we'd want to be looking at athletes getting a stress because we're, we're giving them a stress response for training and we want to be seeing a different performance because then when we come out, they're going to have a recovery period and they have that compensation. And that's how you get fit and sympathetic, it's not safe for our body to recover. We have to have the energy ready for focus. Um, next. Okay, CO2 tolerance. Uh, I put this here because I think it's important to mention, but again, it's another field in its own. So, typically we breathe in oxygen, three gases, but mainly we absorb the oxygen, we breathe out carbon dioxide, okay? That's just natural physiology, normal physiology. We absorb the oxygen in our blood, but we need a certain amount of carbon dioxide in our system to make that an efficient process. So if we're mouth breathing all the time, we're breathing off excess CO2. So if you to hold your breath now, and then you'll feel, oh, I need to breathe now, it's not because you're out of oxygen, it's because your CO2 tolerance has been reached. Your body's like, right, we need to get rid of this, we need to get oxygen in. Okay? Um, the sensors for our CO2 is up near our uh, reptilian brain, okay? So when our CO2 levels are reached, it's an alarm. We need, to, we need to do something about this. So improving our CO2 tolerance makes us more resilient. And really great research out of Stanford University, Brian McKenzie and Dr. Andrew Huberman are doing some amazing things. And really all they're doing is supporting what the yogis have said for thousands of years. So science is catching up now. Okay, coherent and incoherent heart wave. Our hearts give off a wave several feet. Very, very strongly researched area now. In particular, if you want to look into that Heart Math Institute, a uh, company in, in uh, Boulder in California. Um, so the heart gives off a wave. 
and it can be coherent where the waves are nice and smooth or it can be incoherent where they're jagged like a stock market. So with feelings like fear, anger, resentment, it's an incoherent heart wave. With feelings like love, appreciation, gratitude, that's a coherent heart wave. I don't know if you've ever walked into a room after someone's had an argument. No, nothing needs to be said, but you can sense something. And that's exactly what you're feeling. And our body speaks to us all the time. Our gut speaks to our brain all the time. It's a genuine signal. For every 10 bits of information between our gut and our brain, nine are going upwards. 90% of serotonin, our neurotransmitter in our brain, is produced in our gut. So our body is alive, okay? Uh, last one. Vagus nerve tone. So vagus nerve, in, uh, yes, what's the translation? Um, I forget, but it's called the wandering nerve. And it goes from our brain through our heart to our root. And kind of, it's almost like a thermostat to our body. See, it's a thermostat. It's telling our brain how to feel. A poor tone in vagus nerve is, an, is a sympathetic response. A good tone is more of a parasympathetic response, so a calming response. So all of those things can be controlled through just simply taking control of our breath, bringing conscious awareness to our breath. So what does that look like in real life? Like, yes, it works in sport, but kind of, I wanted to give you uh, an example in, in more of a day-to-day, real-life situation. So the Assay Business School is one of the best business schools in the world. And they looked at, the research at the bottom if you want to check it out, um, they looked at the qualities in emergent leadership. So can we predict people who are going to be good leaders? And they looked at two physiological markers. They looked at brainwave, brainwave activity, and they looked at heart rate variability and heart coherence. They didn't look at strategy. They didn't look at mindset tools. They looked at just two physiological markers. And what they found in this longitudinal study is that the transformational leaders not only regulated their own nervous system, they regulated the group that they were in as well. So thinking back to that wave, they were influencing the group around them. Just two physiological markers. They come up with also a group flow experience. So the people, the transformational leaders, what's the word? uh, Invoked or produced or helped the group come to a more flow experience. Um, They arrived at more creative and ethical solutions, which were um, defined by the faculty and by the research group. And ultimately, and this is what stands out to me, it's a reliable indicator of effective decision-making. So being able to use your nervous system is a reliable indicator of being a good leader, good effective decision-making. Whether that's leading a big team, whether that's being the best parent you can be, whether that's being the best partner you can be, or whether that's looking after yourself. You don't react when someone cuts in front of you. If you can manage your nervous system, you are going to be a better human being across the board. And performance, as I said, is an output. It's an accumulation of steps that results in an end product. Like the quad cork is an end product of multiple steps leading up to that. So taking control of our physiology is one major way of doing that. Okay, so let's try something. Let's try a bit of breath. Um, Three things I want you to think about when you come to breath to help you come into a uh, parasympathetic state. Number one, nasal breathing. So when we switch to just nasal breathing, it helps our body switch into parasympathetic uh, parasympathetic state. Number two, focus. 
Even if you're looking at something funny on your phone, it's a sharp focus. You're taking in information. Your, your body doesn't know the difference between good and bad. It's just scanning. Do I need to pay attention to this? Is this a threat? So by softening your gaze, coming to either a panoramic view, so looking at your hands or even just shutting your eyes, helps us switch into a parasympathetic state. Um, and three, diaphragm breathing. So imagine I want you to see a breath like when we pour a glass of water, okay? The breath comes in like the water enters a glass. It fills from the bottom, deep in the abdomen. Lungs fill the bottom, 360 degrees around, and then it rises in a relaxed breath. Okay? So I want you to sit up, phones down if you can, and I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and bring your attention inwards. And all you're doing is just paying attention to the sensations you feel. No more, no less. And I'm going to guide the, the breath exercise. I'm going to, we're going to do something called box breathing. And it's going to be a five-second inhale, five-second hold, five-second exhale, five-second hold. And I invite you to bring your hands to your sides, lower part of your ribs on the sides. And I want you to breathe into your hands. I'm going to guide it so you haven't got to count. I want you to feel your hands move and then you're going to rise into your chest. Okay. First, inhale. One, two, three, four, five. Hold. One, two, three, four, five. Exhale. One, two, three, four, five. Hold. One, two, three, four, five. Inhale. One, two, three, four, five. Hold. One, two, three, four, five. Exhale. One, two, three, four, five. Hold. One, two, three, four, five. Inhale. One, two, three, four, five. Hold. One, two, three, four, five. Exhale. One, two, three, four, Five, hold. One, two, three, four, five. Inhale. One, two, three, four, five. Hold. One, two, three, four, five. Exhale. One, two, three, four, five. Hold. One, two, three, four, five. And just notice if anything changed. That was one minute. Box breathing has got attention because the Navy SEALs use it. Imagine the environments they go in. They use box breathing as one of their tools to get control of their nervous system, to get control of that fight-flight response, and to come into a focused state rather than a hijacked state. And an example of a hijacked state is if you lose it. You've, got no, you've lost control of your emotions. You've lost control of your physiology. So I hope that's useful. Um, it's not sparkly or flash or anything, but it's, it's fundamental. We're all human beings. We've got this incredible body. It's an amazing body. All of us have. You don't have to be an Olympic athlete. We all are Olympic athletes in our own way. The chemical reactions that happen in your body right now 
that you are unaware of. Really happy to talk about it in more detail afterwards or just around. I'm around all day, and if you want to get in touch, please get in touch. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. <laughs>